So those of you who know me, I actually like to preach in series because it gives me time to plan ahead and to think and reflect. These one-off sermons, and today's a one-off sermon, is really tough for me because I have to kind of, kind of respond in the moment. And um, yeah, I'm still having a very difficult time just processing and, and sharing in public. And so just for your heads up that uh, uh, as I was kind of planning and scheduling, like, all right, this one's going to be a tough one too. Um, and so what I can do is I can share what I've been experiencing a little, uh, what God has been sharing with me with, and with the expectation and, the, and asking God, this can be and applicable to all of us because our lives are shared in many ways. And so I've been, I, was, I was wrestling with this one and I was asking God, what would you have me share? And the thing that came to me was what he's been prompting me with just regularly. And um, those of you know that, you know, our family's been through just such a difficult time, a time of just profound grief and confusion. And sometimes in the midst of that, you can't think about much except the simple things. And so God's been speaking to me very simply. And one of the things he's been saying is just simply, every day when I don't want to get up, when I don't want to do anything, and he just, he, he prompts me, he says, just walk with me, walk with me. That simple phrase has been profoundly helpful because he repeats it. You know, I need consistency. He repeats it. Just walk with me. Well, um, for those of us who kind of, you know, if you're a parent or if you've, you've got children in, in, in the context of family, you know, that's one of the great expectations to see your little baby take their first step. Uh, it is an extremely complex thing uh, that we take for granted. Okay? So much has to go into motion to actually allow you to balance yourself, to, to see and to, you know, to gauge and to just, just simple act of walking for us is almost unconscious. And yet it is a very complex thing. It does beautiful things even in our own lives. It allows a child to start exploring, to engage their world uh, and allows us, it still is, um, walking, running, um, such a profound way of us navigating our world itself. I think that people say that um, human beings generally uh, will walk between 100,000 to 150,000 miles in their lifetime. That's a lot of walking. You know, that's, like, that's, like a, that's like a car's lifetime, 150,000 miles. Some of us walk more like New Yorkers. That's probably going to be a lot more. Um, but we get used to walking everywhere we go and we are, and even in the midst of walking, we're just thinking, we're doing all kinds of stuff. New York is a city that walks really fast. Um, I realize that because when, as a New Yorker, I go other places, uh, I'm wondering why everybody's walking so slow. I was in Hawaii for a, couple, for a week, and I was dying. Island time was killing me, you know, because, you know, I, I'm trying to get by, and these people are just... You know, just slowly lazy. And I'm like, come on! You know? Um, and I, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one that walking is actually something done at a brisk pace. But sorry, New Yorkers. I thought New Yorkers were the fastest walking city in the world. But they, they tested this and they found that we're only the eighth fastest. In fact, uh, Singapore is number one. All right. And so I, I thought to myself, but they didn't check the Asians and how fast they walk. You know, because Singaporeans are Asian. I bet you Asian, walk, a, Asian New Yorkers are as fast as Singaporeans. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, if you are going anywhere, you're in this mass of people getting somewhere, even through their walking. Walking is something that's so healthy for you. In fact, you're going to find that people have been doing this for a little while. They have treadmill desks. Can you imagine that? 
This is not simply just those, st- those desks that you can stand on because you've heard that sitting is the, is the new smoking, that sitting is so bad for you, it actually does things to your body that, that, that actually affects everything about you, your health and your mind's frame and so on and so forth. That, so they, they actually have a standing desk so that you can just kind of be active. But standing is not enough. In fact, people are doing this now. They're doing the treadmill desk. Right, and they're walk. Some people are walking slow, like two miles an hour, right? And but some people are walking pretty briskly. There are people who do half marathons a day while they're working. Okay, but I don't know if you about you, but if you have you ever been in a job environment where you're talking and walking at the same time, your your blood's pumping through your system. You're actually really activated, um, and there's something to this that we weren't meant to sit at a desk and just be doing all these you know, data analysis and so on and so forth. We're actually, that even in our work, walking is very potent. There's something that comes alive in us. Um, and so, yeah, um, there, there, you know, read up on it. There's a, there's a beautiful article in uh, New York I, I came across a while back, but uh, there are people who are still doing this. It is a fad, but it's important. Walking is not simply just good for our body or even just even our work. Walking is profound in our relationships. And if you realize, if, you, if you've ever been on a, a beautiful walk with somebody that you really care about, right? It's something to sit down at a nice dinner and to enjoy a meal. But honestly, sometimes the conversations you have as you are walking, as you are seeing, as you're sensing, some of those conversations become extremely rich, especially if you have a routine of walking with somebody, okay? That, that becomes almost a framework in which you can actually build your connection with that person, whether it's, you know, somebody that you have a romantic connection with, a spouse or uh, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or even a friend. Walking can be so potent in building relationships together. This is just simple, you know, how we're built. And God has a, had a hand in that as well. But uh, I wanted to, you know, even for families, and I'm sorry I've put this slide in, but um, my children and I, we, we had a, a very profound a ritual that we used to do when we go to different cities, and we called it a widely. And I know that looks really funny because I'm a king of acronyms. I make an acronym out of anything I can find. Um, and widely stands for walk around and eat anything that looks yummy, right? whatever thing that looks yummy. And so we were at the Peck Place Market, and my wife is really good to put boundaries and guards about what we eat. And, and so she, we'd be like, can we have that? And mom would be like, no. You know, it's bad calories, and so on, so we eat good food, and she's really good at that. But dad's job is to blow that apart, <laughs> right? And uh, so I would, I would take them, and we would go, and we would, uh, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to eat, and there's a lot of stuff to see. And so I told them, okay, whatever you want, whatever looks yummy, whatever thing looks yummy, just, and we'll just eat. And that's what we did. Now, good thing is, you know, you can't eat that much because it's small amounts, and it kind of, as you're walking, it kind of fills you up. But the experience was so much fun. It bonded us. So every city we go, we do a Wa'idli. Yeah? Um, and you should try it someday. It's, it's incredibly fun. It's not that fun to do by yourself, but to do with somebody else. It's a way of sharing life, sharing experiences, moving forward together that I found that sometimes we just really take for granted. And I find it interesting that this idea of walking, walking for life, walking for health, walking for relationship, walking for work, uh, is in many ways the description, the central description of what it means to have a relationship with God. Isn't that interesting? Yes, we, have, we are a child of God. Yes, we, have, we are the church is the bride of Christ. These are, these are identifying marks. But to, dis- to dis- describe someone who is 
having a beautiful living relationship with God, the phrase is used, that person walks with God. That we are to have a walk with God. It's a metaphor, it's a spiritual metaphor to describe what our context of friendship, our intimacy, our close proximity, how we are doing in relationship with God. And I think it's a beautiful one. It's a very organic one that oftentimes even the translative scriptures move away from. Um, But we are being reminded that that's how it is in the Old Testament as well as the New and some religious traditions, in fact, they, they, uh, they, use, they use the language of, a, uh, of uh, a walk with God as a way of kind of asking each other to keep accountability. So there's a story about, about in Africa, people would have this daily time with God where they would walk off into the brush by themselves to their own special spot, and they would talk with God, they would pray, they would let God kind of uh, look through their soul and their life, and, and they would have this kind of time with this God, and then they would walk back to their normal village. And you would know how their quote-unquote walk with God is going by looking at the trail. So if the trail is well-worn, you know that they're doing it daily. But if the trail has a lot of weeds and brush, they haven't been there for a little while. Um, so that's what Christians use. They use the language of how is your walk? Unfortunately, non-Christians don't understand what we're saying. And uh, we, we, you know, it's important to explain things for people who don't understand. Uh, but it, you know, so we stop using this language, how is your walk with God, because we don't want to offend non-Christians. I know one guy who is a pastor now, and he said that when he was a non-Christian, people would ask him, so how is your walk? And he would get like, what do you mean? Am I, am I gaining weight? Am I butt too big? You know, I'm walking fine. He thought he took it literally. And so people stopped using this language to describe uh, what it means to have a real, daily, intimate connection and relationship, a friendship with God. But the scriptures, that's what they describe. In fact, just as we heard in the parental vow, the simplest description of what it means to, to, to be right with God is simply put up there. To do, to do justice, to love kindness and mercy, and to walk humbly. Yeah. The first part, I think, there's a fad, social justice is a fad, to, to do justice and love mercy, be a good person, do random acts of kindness, and so on and so forth. That second part is hard to do, to walk humbly with God. And when we look at those who are highlighted as those who are God's beloved, who he loves so much, and he just puts a, a sign of approval and says, this is the one that knows what they're doing. This is what it means to be in relationship with me. That's the phrase used. He or she walked with God, walked faithfully with God. So we're going to go to uh, this person in the book of Genesis chapter 5 who's not referenced very much at all, maybe three or four times in the whole of the scriptures. His name is Enoch, right? Um, if I wanted to be a little cruel, I would name my son Enoch. But uh, uh, this guy actually has a lot of uh, credibility in the scriptures, even, even though we're not told much about him. We're not told one story about him. We're just told in passing, in a genealogy, in a quote-unquote family tree, that this guy was so approved of God that God, in, in fact, he actually, he didn't, have, he didn't even die. He, he was pulled into heaven. He was pulled to God. There was something about Enoch's life that was so pleasing to God that God, in fact, there's only two people who did this happen to, he didn't even face death, but he, God took him to be with him. And if we look carefully in the story, um, Enoch actually is the seventh 
son of Adam. And if you know the way the genealogies work and the way the Jewish kind of understanding of seven is a big number, it's a divine number. Anytime seven comes up, you pay attention because there's something going on at the seven, right? And if you know Adam's line, the book of Genesis, there's two lines coming up. One line that is the line of Abel and Seth, those who love God and want a relationship with him and those who don't, and that's the Cain line. And by the 10th son, you see the full fruition of that choice. Cain's 10th son is Lamech, and he is a, he's a horror of a person. Um, and he starts off a chain of just bad destruction that leads to the flood. But the 10th is Noah, by the way. But the 7th in this line, of Noah's line, is this guy named Enoch. And it's pointed out, don't you know he's the 7th son? Because the 7th thing, paying attention to him. When you look at the uh, genealogies, it's kind of a way, there's a way of interpreting and reading them. Usually it's just name of son of this, or son of that, son of this person, so on and so forth. When they stop and they make a comment, it means pay attention. All the highlighting and the, and the red lights are in, pay attention, this is important. He is described as one who actually pleased God. Yeah. What a beautiful descriptor, that he pleased God. And all we know about him is he pleased him because it says he walked with God faithfully. Every day, all of his life was in response to, was centered in, and lived out with God. He walked faithfully with God. So much so that he lives 365 years. For us, that's a long life. Wow, you live 365 years? But for him, that's a short life. His son is Methuselah, who lives over 900 years, and his father lived a long, long time as well. His life was cut short, okay? And this is the way the Bible is saying, in his context, his life was short, but it was full. And in fact, his life ends up being kind of like a little picture of what all of those who walk with God look like. A short life, maybe, where there is this relationship built where you walk with God and you please God, so much so that God's full and final intention is that he brings Enoch to himself to be with him. Isn't that interesting? This is what God had planned for humanity, that in this short life of walking with him, knowing him, learning how to please him and move toward him, that we get to walk ultimately in the, the progression and the plan of Enoch that we get to be with God. Okay, I want you to hold on to that because that's actually the description of what the Bible tells us. That one day, God is gonna come and he's gonna pull all of those who've walked with him to himself. Okay? God loves the idea of walking, um, walking with us. Okay? By the way, Noah's the same. That it's not so much that Enoch and Noah walked with God, it's that God is one who wants to walk with us. In the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 8, we see actually God, and it's kind of almost described in a way of just, he's coming as he normally does in the cool of the night, after the day's work, to, to talk with, to walk with Adam and Eve. Okay, that God was walking, and they heard him walking. It's not necessarily saying he has two legs, but that's what he's doing. He's coming to spend time, coming to, to not just check in, but to build relationship. That God is one who walks toward us and walks with us. And I love this. In the book of Leviticus, for most people who can't stand reading, by the way, because that's, that's, that's the graveyard of anybody who wants to read through the Bible in one year, you would think that Leviticus is all about rules and about how you do this sacrifice and that and what this means and makes no sense whatsoever. Look at this beautiful phrase. 
Look at this promise. I will walk among you, and I will be your God. You will be my people. Isn't that interesting? That's the language that's described in the book of Revelation when actually all, all of God's work is done. All the brokenness and the sin and the pain of this world is dealt with. Every tear now is being wiped away by God himself. It's saying, now I will be their God. They will be my people. Like we get to be with God. Enoch's life is a description of the, in the short time of walking in a tough place in the midst and through pain. One day we get to be with him. He's going to take us and bring us to himself, just like Enoch did, as we learn to walk faithfully with him. So walking is a way of relationship. Amos chapter 3, verse 3, describes how, how can two people walk together if they have not agreed to do so? It's an assumption that if you're going to walk along a journey together, toward a destination together, you have to be aligned, okay? If you have a fight, you actually diverge in path. That's what ends up happening. You can't walk together if your hearts and if your plans and if your schedules and your pace is misaligned. This is what it means to walk with God, that who he is, what he values, what he's all about, how he would live and does live is something that we align with. So this language of walking with God is kind of like as a way of saying we are separated. We are with him and walking along the same path because we're in alignment and we're in agreement or we're not. Here's the language in the book, book of 1 John saying, walk in the light. And if you do, guess what? You've found community of people who are walking in the light. And even if you screw up, guess what? That's okay because as you're walking in the light, aligning yourself with God, we have Jesus who purifies us from our sins, connects us with God, keeps us with God, and we stay walking. But when we walk in darkness, we diverge our paths and we misalign with him. There is no way to walk with God and not look at our lifestyle, not look at the things that we are doing and the choices that we're making, the things that we are valuing, what we're investing toward that has nothing to do with God. Walking with God means actually making a different, different path from where we used to. You see in the book of uh, Colossians talking about this is how you used to live. It was a way of death. But now you don't walk that way anymore because you're walking with God. It's talking about lifestyle. It's talking about how you live. And how do you do this? How do you walk in the light? How do you walk in a new way? Walk with God. It is not simply just a, a panel of do's and don'ts and rights and rules and regulations. It's actually a friendship where you begin to learn by living it out, by taking steps. This is, the way, this is what God honors. This is what pleases him. This is what actually brings life. Even though it's different from what you've ever known. This is a way of discipleship. But this is the description of what it means to walk with God one of. This, you're choosing his path. You're agreeing with him, okay? Even if it means stepping away from the paths that other people are taking. Because he has become the center. He's become the one who leads. He's the one who actually is guiding. Well, the reason, second reason why I'm sharing this, not only because I've been hearing from God, just walk with me, walk with me. This is my own life. But um, um, there's another reason why I'm thinking about walking, and that is uh, we're going to get a dog. And uh, as I'm preparing for the dog, by the way, I'm realizing, I'm remembering the training, and I'm remembering how significant walking is for a dog. 
Because if you don't walk your dog, your dog is emotionally, relationally, physically, and mentally so stressed out, so confused, they start having all these bad activities like barking incessantly and, and so on and so forth. Well, it's the walking that actually helps the dog to get balanced. It's the walking that helps the dog to figure out who's the pack leader, how does he fit in, what is his job, how do I get fulfilled? Walking does all of that for the dog. Um, by the way, this is our dog. Um, sorry, the picture didn't show up very well. Um, uh, she, she's six weeks now. Her, uh, she's a female German Shepherd. Six weeks now, we're going to pick her up in a couple weeks. It took a long time for us to finally pull the trigger because we were very gun-shy. Um, God told me early, you got to live. you got to invest in life. you got to nurture. You can't simply just disengage, even though everything a part of me wanted to. Um, and so... I told Jan, I want to get a dog. And she's like, no way. Yeah. yeah. And, um, she loves dogs, by the way. We used to have two big ones. Um, but just by grace and a lot of uh, manipulation on my part, I would show her pictures every night. Um, she finally agreed. And um, we're, we're looking forward to picking her up in a couple of weeks. Um, it's, we're going to name her, I think we're going to name her Sabby. And so one of these days we get to introduce her to you. Um, but we're doing this really intentionally. For me, it's an act of obedience. Um, but I'm going to do a lot of walking. <laughs> and when I see, you know, right now, even now, when I see people walking their dogs in our neighborhood, this is what I normally see. Yeah. Very common sight. Oh, you're just walking your dog. Your dog is like pulling and going over there, smelling somebody else or smelling sm- somebody else's dog's butt, right? That's what dogs do. They, they need to explore. They need to see. They need to smell. And they're just, and if you have had a big dog, you know, it's very hard holding and, and preventing a big dog from not pulling you. Some dogs, when they feel the pull, they pull harder. Like a husky, that's what their instinct is. Um, but this is not what it means to walk a dog. This is a dog walking a person. Yeah. Because the dog's assuming, I'm the pack leader. And this is how my world is arranged. I get to go where I want to go, when I want to go, at my pace. And the person is there to follow me because I'm the pack leader. And anytime a dog walks in front and pulls... That's what it's assuming, and that's how it's orienting its life. And it's being basically reinforced as you walk the dog. But this is the way you're supposed to walk a dog. Uh, In fact, the dog is supposed to be not only to the side, a little behind you, because he has to pay attention to where you're going, because you're not just going along the way that the dog expects. As you're training a dog, in fact, you start walking in a straight line, dog's actually walking, and then, you go this way, and the dog doesn't realize. And next thing you know, here's, it feels a little tug on his collar. Because before he knew it, he was just going looking this way, and then the, the pack leader was over there. Until finally the dog realizes, I can't walk. My role is not to simply just go wherever I want to go, but I have to follow. And it's actually a tough training. Some dogs learn faster than others. But if you see, like, dogs that have learned this, even, like, at very young age, they're walking, and this is how they're walking, <laughs> They're looking at the master. They're not even looking at the road. They're looking at the pack leader. And they're so excited because they get to go places. They get to see things and smell things. Not at their discretion. Not at their pace. Because they're following the path that the pack leader is leading. And they're given this routine where they know they're not only just not their place per se, but that they're in a, they're in a community. They, 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 have, they don't have to worry about what, what, what's going to come. They're, they, they're given this structure, and they're given this guidance, they're given this affection because they're caught in this activity and it's reinforced through the walking. 
Dogs have a lot to teach us in many ways. Not to say that God is a pack leader and we're just a dog, but there's something about how we tend to just pull and yank. We want to smell that. We want to go there when we want to go. That often describes how we really don't know how to live. We don't know how to live. We'll choose darkness that leads to death rather than light that leads to life. And we need to to be trained into a life where we're hearing him, we're sensing him. Our eyes, even though as we're exploring and we're learning and we're working, we're actually active and paying attention to where he's guiding. That's what I've been finding. You know, I spent a lot of time thinking about where am I going to be in two years and five years, what kind of choices I have to make and so on and so forth. I wish it was a better planner even. But my planning actually is not always good because I'm not consulting God. I'm not waiting on him. I'm not listening to him. And this is actually, this experience has, is, has been extremely deconstructive in a lot of ways. I'm deconstructed. But the way God is reconstructing my relationship with him is pay attention to where I am right now. Just walk with me. Listen to what I'm saying to you right now. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about 10 years from now. Don't worry about what's going to happen and where all the resources are going to come from emotionally and financially. Just walk with me right now. And that's been a beautiful thing in some ways, uh, a frustrating thing in other ways, but that's actually what it means. Because I know that his plan is to one day take me to him. His plan is to one day take us to him. Where when we're in heaven, we're not going to be like a dog just smelling each other's butts. We're going to know how to follow. We're going to know the joy. And if you've ever seen a dog who who's, has bonded with their pack leader, there is so much joy across. And the pack leader no longer sees walking the dog as this chore, oh, I gotta walk the dog again. But in fact, it becomes this incredible, pleasurable experience. The dog knows, the dog is so responsive, and there is this, even a friendship across human and dog. That's just a little, you know, poor metaphor of what God is intending for us. We have been made in his very image to be able to walk with him even like a friend. And that's the invitation for us. And it's hard. It means building something into your regular rhythm where you're not just going off on your own, getting caught up and distracted, pursuing dreams and never even looking or waiting until you feel a hard tug. But actually, it means constantly stopping, pausing, watching, sensing, and asking and aligning with the path that God is laying out as he is our pack leader. I want to encourage you, do this physically. Go on a walk. Talk to God. Okay? Take time out. Um, maybe you can go on a walk with somebody. Talk about life. Talk about relationship. Maybe you talk about your relationship with God. Create times when you are opening up to be responsive and attentive. Yes, it's good to sit and I sit and listen sometimes, but sometimes I hear so much better when I'm walking, when I'm hiking, when I'm out. I encourage you, don't just follow just the normal, find a regular rhythm where you're hearing and you're tending and you're moving to God as a form of friendship, as a form of, I want to know you, I want to please you, because actually that's the expectation 
One day, we're going to be with him. He's going to take us to him. One last uh, encouragement to do, even for uh, walking, is walk your neighborhood. That's one, peop- one, one, one of the things that people are saying is community is breaking down because nobody knows their neighbors, nobody knows their neighborhood. You know, we get into our cars, we're getting into our buses and our, our, our trains, and we're just going. Uh, walk your neighborhood. Pray with God over your neighborhood and see how that actually changes even your neighbors. Um, we're going to be doing some of that as the weather lightens up a little, uh, even here, just walking our neighborhood and listening to what God is in- intending and how he feels about the people living in, in our community. And this is a beautiful way to actually be missional even, is to walk and pray in the neighborhood. But I'm just going to have you bow your heads with me. And as we begin to pray, I want you to think about your day. Maybe your day starts off like, often like mine and I'm not in tune with God. My heart is troubled. There's a lot of stuff that's on, on, filling me with anxiety, a lot of fears, a lot of coping and a lot of, I gotta do this. Well, what can you do to put in a regular moment, a regular routine, even a ritual, stop, to pay attention to who you are, you're loved of God. God's plan is to take you to him. This time in this world is is broken, this messed up world is short. It's supposed to be spent learning how to please him, learning how to walk with him. What can you put in your day, not just in the morning, not just on your commute maybe, but even in the middle of the day, to talk with him, to move toward him, to align yourself, not just for the big decisions, but even for the lifestyle ones, to walk in the light, step away from the patterns of the way of the world that pulls away from God. What would it mean for you to sense his presence not have to wait for a tug to yank you back to him. But instead, to walk looking up. To garner the pleasure of God, which he is so longing to express and to build on. However God is moving in your heart, maybe in a daily way, just something small to build on. Would you say, God, I want to walk with you? And maybe you've never been told this before. God wants so much in his relationship with you, much more than I would want even in this dog that's coming in our family. He's inviting you. Will you walk with me? I have things to show you. I have experiences to walk you with. I have places to guide you away from and to. I have my love to pour out to you. Would you walk with me? Take some time and respond in the way that you need to. Where you're, God, you feel God's tug. And if you can be practical, something small that you can be consistent in, to build in a, a ritual, a, regi- a, a regular ritual that, that builds you closer as you walk with Him. Let's pray. Let's pray.